Hey, everybody. So the other day I mentioned a study that revealed how insomnia in middle age can contribute to lower cognitive function. That was in my last episode. And when I found that tidbit, I remembered that I had actually interviewed an expert in the field of brain health. And for whatever reason, I never posted that episode. Well, today is that day. And uh, I got to tell you, I've been thinking more and more about brain health lately. Um, if you're like me, you hit a certain age. And it might be harder to, you know, uh, remember the words or specific concepts, or maybe you can't remember who played drums for Elton John uh, in the 70s. Uh, I lost that the other day. It was Nigel Olson, by the way. Uh, anyway, so you might start witnessing your own little mental decline as you, you know, search for words and whatnot and stammer like I do. And if you're like me, you might want to be proactive about working on it. Exercising your brain, figuring out uh, how to stem the tide and keep as sharp as possible for as long as possible. So they say that uh, learning a new language is really good for the brain. And a couple of years ago, I was working on my Spanish skills like really aggressively. And but I kind of let that go. Um, I was using the Pimsleur app, which I highly recommend because you don't have to write. It's not like um, what's that? What do they call that? Uh, the Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's not like that because um, uh, the Rosetta Stone, you needed to be kind of at a computer and look at pictures and stuff like that. With Pimsleur, you just uh, it's an app and all the exercises are just audio and they, you just hear them and speak back. And it's really kind of cool. Anyway, highly recommend Pimsleur. Uh, I should really pick that back up. Donde esta la biblioteca? Um, but I recently uh, started doing something, well, not specifically for my brain health, but just because I wanted to learn how, I started uh, learning how to program using Python, the Python programming language. And I chose Python because they say it's one of the easier languages and it can be used in lots of different scenarios. Um, but mainly I chose it because in the Jimmy Song uh, book, Programming Bitcoin, yes, Bitcoin again, uh, you need to have a basic knowledge of Python. And my goal within the next year or so is to actually build my own Bitcoin wallet. Anyway, I got to tell you, programming, if you haven't done it, is very hard. Um, and it uses parts of your brain. Uh, well, for me, uh, it uses parts of my brain that I really don't use much. Uh, I have no background in coding, except like back in 1988, I took maybe a two-day class in how to program using HyperCard. Long story. But anyway, as we're going to find out from the interview that you're about to hear, doing new, novel, challenging things, like say learning to code, is good for your brain and helps keep what they call your high neuroplasticity. I'll keep you posted on how the programming goes, but one thing I'm finding out, for me, if I don't put some money into whatever I'm pursuing, I'll let it slide. In the case of Python, I bought a uh, like a Groupon class for 25 bucks, and I've been watching YouTube videos to do the exercises, but I'll go days without doing any of the classes because I have so little skin in the game. That said, Carnegie Mellon University, as it turns out, has a 10-week kind of boot camp certification class that I think is about uh, $2,500. And I'm leaning towards taking that, A, because, well, it's a closed-ended deal, uh, which will force me to stay up on it. It's like a 10-week commitment. But also, having that skin in the game, that $2,500, will motivate me to you know stay uh, involved. So would you like to join me in that? If you have any interest in learning how to program, uh, if I get someone else to sign up, I'll save like 250 bucks off the tuition. So if you want to do it with me, drop me a note and I'll split that 250 bucks with you. Um, Matt at Rogue Retirement Lounge is my email address if you want to do it. Uh, I think the class starts in late June. Anyway, I digress. So 
Today's guest, Dr. Crystal L. Culler, is the founder of the Virtual Brain Health Center. She is a doctor of behavioral health, a social gerontologist, and a senior academic fellow for equity in brain health with the Global Brain Health Institute at Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland, where she completed her residency training on dementia prevention and social determinants of brain health. Crystal has spent nearly six years in uh, executive level positions with health nonprofit organizations and has over 17 years of experience working with individuals with brain health concerns, their families, and advocacy organizations. So in other words, she's smart and she knows this stuff. So we actually recorded this interview in the May and in May of 2021. So there's a couple references to the pandemic, uh, but otherwise, well, it could have been recorded yesterday. So let's do this. Crystal, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for the invitation for a lovely chat today. I'm I'm actually really excited about this because I think I have some misconceptions about brain health. Uh, to me, brain health is just about not getting dementia. So just for our listeners and viewers, can you give me a, a brief introduction to brain health and any new scientific developments that people like me might not know about? No, I appreciate starting off with that question. And I think it's really because we have a lack of a universal definition of what brain health is. And for so long, it has been part of the conversation around dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and that prevention. And it still is. But for many, it's the health of our brain is for all of us. It's for anyone at any age. And we can have that rather we have any type of disease or condition related to the brain, a chronic illness or an acute illness. So we take a step back broadly, brain health is thinking, feeling, and doing. So how can we optimize our brains to thrive at any age? And that's through all the things we do through our day-to-day -day lives across our lifespan. And I know we're going to dig a little bit deeper into what those things are, but if we think about it, many of the things that we ask our things, brains to do in terms of performance or actions, higher order cognitive tasks are typically things that come to us of why our brains are tired at the end of the day because of all the things we've been doing. But it even goes beyond that. The way we're living our lives, how we're choosing to spend our time through our leisure, through the activities that we're doing, and even how we're choosing to rest at night. So it's really all encompassing of our health and our well-being. And it's never too late to start a new brain healthy habit. So I hope as we end our chat today that it will encourage everyone to pick up one new thing to do for themselves. I like it. So what are you finding uh, or are you finding that the pandemic has caused some problems with our brain health? No, I think it's been kind of both ways is that although it has led us to maybe not be as connected with people in terms of being in the same room as other people. We have looked for innovative ways to prioritize connecting with one another, whether it's our relationships, prioritizing our actual brain care. For many people, it's saying, I know I needed to exercise, but now because we've had time to think about how we want to spend our days. We've been able to reimagine and restructure our days because our work lives have looked different or our family lives have looked different. 
to reprioritize some of the things we've been wanting to make time for. And I know that's looked different depending on where people are at in their lives. If they're raising families, maybe fitness is family time together rather than your fitness time that was alone. But we've had to restructure some of those things. And it's to say for many things at the same time, it's raised more awareness around how important it is to take care of our brains and to nurture it, especially around our emotions. We're seeing a rise and uptick in needing to take care of our emotional well-being and our social well-being as well. And it's looked a little different now, but still figuring out how all of that is an important part of our holistic well-being and care. Interesting. Well, I know I've been walking and not really exercising a lot more, but I've been just walking a lot more, getting more time to like listen to audiobooks and stuff. So for me, the pandemic has been, I believe, pretty good for my brain health, even though I'm not having very much interaction with other humans. But yeah, I guess it could go either way. I, I know a lot, I have some friends who've really started drinking a lot more during the pandemic. So I'm sure there are some people who uh, it's been great for their brain health. And there are some people who it's been not so great. Yeah, and I, you know, I personally love your example that you shared is because any type of movement is good. So when we're thinking about moving our body, it walking is a fantastic way. And then you added another component of adding audiobooks and adding another stimulation and challenge. So really, when we're thinking about how do we stimulate our mind, it's adding something new and different into something you were already doing, just another layer of a challenge for other people. It might be decreasing a habit that maybe is not serving them well, right. um, switching out something for water. Uh, we can do just these little exchanges and get us back on a better path for our well-being. Let's talk about, uh, from more of a macro level, um, things that we do negatively or things that we do that negatively affect our brain health. What are some of the things that you, in your research, find that we we do that that is bad for our brains? Yeah. And so you have you led to some of this. A lot of it is the inactivity. Okay. So if we are being sedentary, if we are not stimulating our brain, if we're not nourishing ourselves properly, whether that's food or dehydration, and just to be very cognizant that you're managing any other health issues that you have. We know from a lot of the research that people that have um, diabetes, hearing loss, depression, if you're smoking, if you're consuming larger amounts of alcohol, 21 units or more a week, uh, managing hypertension or obesity, you're at a little bit higher risk um, for your brain. So you want to be managing those types of conditions. But so you want to just be flipping those over to the good side. If you're managing your health conditions well, if you can add more movement for the brain and body, if you can be seeking out ways to nourish your bodies in a little, little more positive way, add a fruit, add a vegetable, swap in some more water, flipping those things a, a little more positive to, to nourish your mind and body. Interesting. Okay. Well, what, what stood out of, 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 of the factors that you just listed off, I'm, everything kind of makes sense, but tell me about how hearing loss relates to brain health. Cause I've never heard that. And, uh, that as someone, I'm a musician, I grew up in loud airplanes. I've, I, hearing is probably something that's going to be an issue for me. So how does that tie into my brain health? 
Yeah, so hearing loss is one that came online from one of the more recent um, health Lancet Health Commission reports, and it's one that they mentioned that you screen for in midlife. So what we find from the research is hearing loss and as well as if you're having visual issues, to get those screened, um, they can mimic cognitive decline, but it is something we can intervene on. We have interventions for your hearing. So you want to make sure to get those checked. And if you need some assistance in those areas, use your hearing aids and you'll see some gains back into that. Um, it's usually one of those ones that will go unmonitored and then realizing that it's something that you can get supports for. And so just to make sure that we're especially checking that out, it's one of those risk factors we tend to find around midlife. So make sure you get those tests done and pay attention to that. Um, it's just one of those things that can mimic um, some memory loss or, or things, but we really have good supports in place to help support that for people. Interesting. As you have mentioned before, with your background, we know things we can do on the preventative end of protecting our ears from loud noises and exposure and, and using our hearing aids when, when appropriate as well. Fascinating. Well, so why, I mean, without going too deep into the physiological reasons, but what? why is hearing loss correlated with brain health declines? Is it because you're kind of confused more often or is it because you're getting lower sensory input? What What is the, the overall reason? Yeah, with our senses, it's just one that we tend to, along with vision, is it tends to present itself as though we are having lack of attention or confusion. If we're thinking about the conversation we're having now, if we're not hearing well, we're missing a lot of information. Right. Our brain then trying to fill in those words. So it comes off to other people or those that don't know us well as, as we're confused or we're lacking those abilities to track, which puts us at those risk signs, those earlier risk signs. Um, for some types of dementia or cognitive impairment. And really, when we look at those diagnoses, they're um, exclusionary. So we're excluding anything else that's a, a cause beforehand. So usually hearing is one of those tests that we check for. And if that's one of the issues, then we can treat that. And then we see those signs of confusion or inability to track the conversation goes away. Gotcha. Okay. Real quickly, I want to talk about alcohol. Uh, as someone who's, I'm, I'm a pretty regular beer drinker. I drank a ton when I was in college, th all that. Um, what, what does, how does alcohol affect us uh, and our brain in the long run? Yeah. So there's been a lot of different research that shows the, the balance of alcohol in use. And the latest one with the Lancet Commission report showed 21 units of drink was the cutoff for when it was really showing an impact. And really looking at the different alcohol guidelines for us here in the U.S., men tend to get to drink more with aging. They get about two drinks a day. Women tend to get one. And a lot of the different diets that show longevity, so where people are living around the world just longer, healthier lives, they tend to drink alcohol with their food and with their friends. It's part of our social connections. And so it's that balance of what works for you and your your body. But no one tends to go around giving the recommendation of if you don't drink to add it in, that there's that health benefit. It tends to be 
in those areas, they tend to slant more towards the red wines because of the properties that are in there that tend to have health benefits. But other people, if you're having certain health issues, what's in that red wine might not suit you as well either. So there's a lot of mixed research, but a lot of it shows that drinking in moderation doesn't seem to be good or bad for you. It seems to be neutral. And so working with your healthcare provider for yourself on on your own individual health issues is good and following the the general guidelines. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so speaking of that, we know that alcohol dehydrates you. Is dehydration um, a contributing factor to our uh, brain health either way? It's one of those really important things to pay attention. I think it's pretty timely as we're coming into the summer season of really um, our sense of taste and thirst where we lose some of that ability as we age to really understand that we're getting thirstier faster. So really, by the time we're already thirsty, we're about one to two percent dehydrated. Interesting. If we're thinking about it that way. So if you're already thirsty, you, you need to be drinking more water. And so that really impacts the brain and the body. And so you're right that alcohol dehydrates, caffeine is can dehydrate as well. But water is really one of the best things you can do to help keep your body hydrated. We all need to find out what's the right amount for us and when's the good cutoff time so we can sleep well. But when we do, we'll see some great performance improvements for for our overall health and well-being. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so basically, I mean, when, when we talk about proactive things that we can do to improve our brain health over time, it kind of, it seems like it's pretty much in lockstep with your overall health, like, you know, staying hydrated, keeping your alcohol in moderation. Um, if you are, have high blood pressure, or hypertension, manage that. Um, uh, so what else, what other things uh, besides not doing those uh, risk factor things that you listed off, what are some other things that proactively that I should be doing at age 45 to 60 or whatever to prolong my brain health? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And you start to link it. I think for many of us, it's making that link of realizing when we're hearing it, how it's impacting our brain or our body. We take for granted that these are just things we could do and not necessarily recognizing how it's influencing us. So don't take your brain for granted. We all get one. Same with your body, although it can be resilient and forgiving at times. Um, it's not too late to start these habits either. We have the tendency that as we're aging to think, oh, it's too late to start to do that now. It's really not. We can reap benefits in a very short amount of time, even like you said, with staying properly hydrated, within a day or so of staying properly hydrated, you start to feel better. Some of these things you can feel the impact on very quickly. Same with exercising. Five minutes of movement a day can have health benefits for you. That's been documented in research. Although the guideline is pretty much across the globe, 150 minutes of moderate exercise. So something that gets your heart rate up a week is what's the, the gold standard of what you want plus two two days of strength training. So there's always little ways, I think, to be tweaking our routines for things that can serve us well. And if it's something that's not serving us well, say, that doesn't work for me. What's something else that I could do? And think of fitness for the brain and the body the same way. So it's always that 
I like the way of you walking with the podcast. The continuous learning for your health and your well-being is what you're going to be doing all across your lifespan. So continuously doing that and folding it in and finding new ways to support yourself. Interesting. Okay. So, so now I'm, 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 I'm treating my body like a temple and I, and I'm also achieving the brain benefits of doing so. One, one question that I have is if you are taking supplements like omega threes and other kind of fat, cause I know the brain is like fat. Uh, I'm probably oversimplifying, but it, is it uh, important to be taking the omega threes and to have fat in your diet for your brain? Yeah, you're right. Our brain is a is a. If someone's called you a fat head, it's because your brain needs lots of fats, and it needs those healthy fats. And so, if you're some people, if you're working with your healthcare providers, or if you're following a different type of diet, you may need the role of supplements. I recommend people work with healthcare providers, but if not, get the healthy fats from your diet where you can. Um, olive oils, tree nuts, avocados, salmon. Those are great sources to, to figure out how to find the balance for your diet. And so healthy fats are a great thing for your brain. It's, it's what you need to fuel it. It's fats, carbohydrates, and sugar, um, but not sugar from a candy bar. Um, okay. Healthy sugars that it will get from, from your diet, your nutrition. Um, it's what it needs to fuel, fuel itself for it as well as water. It is fat and a lot of water goes to your brain. And so keeping it hydrated and keeping it fueled, but um, pretty much like you said too, not many of us think about eating a certain food because it's good for our brain. Right. So I always joke with people, I start with a walnut. It looks like a little brain for a reason. If you eat just a couple of those a day, you can say I ate my brain food. Love it. Um, it's a pretty simple first step for that. Um, but yes, eating healthy fats is a great way to start. Interesting. Okay. So now, uh, away from the physiological side of things, we, we talked about listening to podcasts and I've, I, I've, I've heard the term and I don't know if I understand really what neuroplasticity is, but I've heard that in order to keep your neuroplasticity up, things like learning a language, uh, and and doing Sudoku puzzles and stuff like that can be good for you. Can you tell me what kind of just brain activities that I should be doing that might keep things strong and working? Sure. So yeah, neuroplasticity, if we think about it, it's our brain's ability to adapt and change, which it's always doing to our environment and from the things we're doing. So Unfortunately, it's hard to give a general recommendation for how to engage your brain, but I'll give you some broad guidelines. Okay, that would be great. The workout for you and the workout for me would look really different. But what you want to do is the three key components. You want to find something that's new, novel, and challenging. So if we were thinking about that, you know, you're on a stairwell and you want to keep climbing that stairwell. So how do you keep changing up your routine and your activities? And if you have things that you really enjoy, if you if you like Sudoku puzzles, maybe that's what you do to help you relax or pass the time if you're in a waiting room. And that serves one purpose for you. But when you really want to engage your brain, um, kind of the recommendation is about 20 minutes a day. Think about how to make your brain sweat. Like if you were going to engage your body for a workout, 
break it up to 10 minute sessions or one 20 minute session. You want something new. So just like you said, a foreign language, something outside your comfort zone that could really stretch. Maybe it's a letter based puzzle. Maybe it's something completely different, learning a whole new skill. You mentioned you're a musician. Maybe it's trying the arts or, or something just out of your wheelhouse, but purposefully trying something new and different that you're going to say this isn't easy. And I like to recommend this as well is they say it takes at least a minimum of 15 hours to begin to learn something new. So for many of us, it's been a long time since we may have recalled how long it took us to learn something because we're so used to doing things we know really well. We've mastered a skill. So think about that stairwell that you want to climb. Keep climbing it and don't get frustrated because that level that you need, you're going to need to keep changing it up. And once you plateau, keep keep ramping it up again and keep in mind that 15-hour number because it shouldn't be easy if you really want to get that brain workout. Keep challenging yourself and keep doing that all across your lifetime. Fascinating. Okay, so new, novel, and challenging. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell people different workouts, but those three components, we could all find something new and different to try. Right. <laughs> I like it. Okay, well, I think this has been fantastic information, and it really sounds to me like overall what's good for the body is good for the brain, and if I'm if I'm eating a bunch of uh, – candy bars and cheeseburgers, that's not only going to make me fat, but it's going to be bad for my brain. So it sounds like the Mediterranean diet would be kind of one of these ideal uh, kind of a brain food situation. Yeah, it's been ranked the top diet the past four years here, and it's been ranked one of the easiest diets to follow, uh, mainly because it's more of a prescription uh, of things that you can follow. And really there, you can still have your sweets in moderation. You you can have alcohol if you choose to. Uh, it's not necessarily as restrictive. It has the guidelines of really a lot of heavy plant slant, lots of fruits and vegetables, healthy grains, the healthy fats, um, your red meats and things all in moderation. So it's really flexible for what it is you the food you get to enjoy and enjoying the ones that really nourish the the body and the brain and really not having to exclude too many of the things that most of us enjoy as well for our sweets and our treats (laughs) love it okay well so now how can someone learn more about uh dr crystal color and your work yeah so we i run a virtual brain health center and it's pretty simple we are at virtualbrainhealthcenter.com And we offer a variety of resources and classes on a few of the different topics that we chatted about and trying to help people kind of untangle all this information that's available around brain health, healthy aging, and and memory care so it can be accessible to all of us in our daily lives. Excellent. Okay, well, I will have a uh, link to that in the show notes. And in the meantime, uh, Crystal, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate this. I learned a lot, and um, I hope that uh, my friends in the audience did too. Yes, thank you so much for having me, and I hope this will be useful to your community and appreciate the thoughtful questions. I'm sure it will be. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com.